0: you so much, Lori. You're so sweet. She's so cute.
1: That's a good thing. That's a good thing. We don't want to go wrong. Yeah, thank you so much. So, Father God, we just welcome you again in this place, afresh.
0: In Jesus' name. We praise you and we thank you that you are good and you are faithful, even in the midst of uh, those of us who are mourning in a godly sense for Jacob. And we just ask that you would come and heal, that you
1: would come and speak, that you would come and move, that you would come and do a new thing. In Jesus' name, amen. All year long. Pastor
0: Cantu has when getting the word from the Lord for me that I am doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? And I'm like, well, if you're asking me, I obviously don't. <clears throat> so the Lord and I were kind of joking about that this morning. And uh, he started to talk to me a little bit about what that means. And is uh, isn't what I thought it meant, but I'm going to share with you what he showed me. And um, my prayer is that it blesses you as much as it blessed
1: me. We're going
0: to be going pretty much all the way through the Passion Translation version of Isaiah 43. We're going to be looking also at Psalm 119, don't panic, that's the longest psalm in the Bible, verses 91 through 112 only, okay? Those are the two scriptures, so you won't see them up on the screen like you normally do, um, just... uh, going to kind of point you there. You can look that up on Bible Gateway if you don't have a Passion
1: Translation, but I want to make sure um, you have access to those so you can follow along, okay?
0: As I was doing my Bible study, we had Leah with us all week, and it was an absolute joy to spend time with her and her children. Um, I just kept sitting there and listening to the stories that she was telling about Jake and who he is and who he was and his dreams and his dreams for her, his dreams for himself, his dreams for the family. And um, the Lord just kept prompting me to remember the fact that it was a privilege to hear those stories. It was a
1: privilege to be sitting there in that moment. It was a privilege to help, to cook, to hug to laugh, to cry. And as I was getting ready this morning, he was speaking that word to
0: me about I'm doing a new thing. I, by the way, I wore green for Jacob today. You all know this is his favorite color. He's a big MSU fan, okay? So um, I don't believe Laura told you, but the funeral is tomorrow at 1 p.m., and it will be in Monroe. Um, the obituary was posted in with those details in the Dream Team Group Me app. Okay, you can find it there. So I wake up this morning, and I'm talking to the Lord. I was getting refreshed yesterday because it's been a long week. I'm not used to having a house full. We had five or six of us there, and was cooking and cleaning. And I want to thank the leadership, those of you that came out for dinner. I think that really encouraged your heart. You know, gave her some fresh years to listen to and laugh with, and it really blessed and strengthened me as well, so I appreciate you um,
1: for coming by and, and bringing the meal and all that, the candy. Isaiah 43 talks about a promise of restoration. When we
0: think about what's going on in our nation, what's going on in some of our personal lives, what's going on even with Jacob's passing this last week, only a week after being married. There's this part of us that longs for restoration in an earthly sense, not just in a heavenly sense. Ultimately, long term, and from the perspective of eternity, we will be absolutely restored to the perfect image of Christ. We long, long, long for that, obviously. The fullness of his image in us taking off that perishable and putting on the imperishable, but while we're here, there are many relationships that need restoration. Many nations that need restoration. Many cities that need restoration. Many situations that need restoration. Many families that need restoration. Many marriages that need restoration. Many parents and children, fathers and mothers
1: that need restoration. As I started to read the Passion Translation of Isaiah 43,
0: I'm just going to read here for a bit and then I'm going to narrate a little bit, kind of like Father did with me this morning, if that's okay with you. So it will be a little different than what we normally do. It starts off saying this, now. Now. Not tomorrow. Not next week. Not yesterday. Not in a year. Not after much delay. Not when we think it's going to happen.
1: Not when we're afraid that it won't happen, but now. Now, this is what Yahweh says. Yahweh. We'll talk about that in a minute. He says, listen. And I had to laugh. I found this picture
0: online. I actually thought of Jackie. Jackie has a new dog named Gemma. You see him up there? You can think of the dog, right? How they do? They kind of perk their little ears up. Listen. Listen. And it's interesting, he uses the, the next word is, listen, Jacob, to the one who created you, Jacob. Jacob means deceiver. It's a picture of what we're born into. We're born into sin. We're born into deception. We're born into a mess. We're born into this place of imperfection and spiritual separation from God. Listen, Jacob to the one who created you. And I believe that's a message for the world right now. God is saying that out over the nations and over the waters and over the lands. Listen, you deceived ones, you Jacobs, you ones who think you know. Listen to the one who created you. You might want to hear what your creator has to say. And then he changes his tune here. He goes on and he says, Israel.
1: Hmm, come on. That was Jacob's new name. That's what God renamed Jacob. That was his covenant name. Israel, to the one who shaped you
0: to become who you are. Now, he's not just talking about how he was born as Jacob, a deceiver, but how the Lord began to shape him and make him and transform him into
1: a man who would bring forth a nation. A supernatural nation of people. The people of God. Sons and daughters, priests. Who could hear and speak and see and do just like Jesus.
0: I love this. Listen. Listen to the one who created you. Listen to the one who knows your future. Listen to the one who knows your gifts, who knows your strengths and weaknesses. And sometimes we think we know what's best in our, in our flesh and in all of our humanness, in all of the earthly sense. Everything looks like it lines up if we do A, B, C, D, or E. But God is telling us to do something. And we're deceived in a sense, and he's saying, Jacob, I need you to listen to me. And we ask ourselves, why why should I listen to you? This looks so amazing. This looks like the perfect path. This looks like this is it. And he's saying, but I made you. I created you. I know the end from the beginning. I know who I made you to be and where I'm taking you. And I am your creator. And I know what it's going to take for you to fulfill the fullness of your destiny. Listen to me.
1: Then he says, Israel, he changes his tune, to the one who shaped you into who you are. And then he goes on and he says this, do not fear. So the Lord had spoken a word,
0: and Jacob shifts from Jacob, the created deceived one, to Israel, a covenant man, through whom God wants to bring forth a nation and
1: he starts to get afraid because he got a word from the Lord. He says, do not fear. For I, your kinsman, Redeemer, will rescue you. Come on. Come on. I have called you by name, he said, and you are mine. When you pass
0: through the deep stormy sea, Them waves are raging back and forth, and you can't do much except get a gulp of water and spit it out and cough and keep your head above water. Best you can, tread and tread and tread, and you can count on me, he says,
1: to be there with you. When you pass through the raging rivers, he says, you will not drown. And when you walk through persecution like fiery flames, and it burns. The words are hot, lit up, coming at you. You will not be burnt. He says, you will not be burnt. The flames will
0: not hurt you. How can this be so? How can this be so?
1: He says, for I am your Savior. Ultimately, I will rescue you. I am Yahweh, your covenant God, your mighty God, the Holy One of Israel.
0: I'm the one who keeps my promises. I'm going to do exactly what I told you I
1: would do. I'm going to make a way, and you don't have to understand how I'm going to do it. You just need to do what I asked you to do. I'm reading this this morning, tears are flowing. I was
0: like, who oh, Jesus, yes, sir, sir, yes, sir. He said, I will rescue you. He said, I'm your hero, I'm your savior, I'm your Lord, I am your
1: God. I am here. Sir, yes, sir, you are. I have not gone anywhere. He goes on in verse 3, after he says, I
0: am your savior, Yahweh, your mighty God. I am mighty, I am able. The Holy One of Israel, I am holy, I am doing a holy thing. He says, I give up Egypt as a price to set you free. Cush and Seba in exchange to bring you back. I love you so much that there's individuals that I actually have given in
1: exchange for you because you are so precious to me. Think about that just for a second. Since you are cherished and precious in my eyes and because I love you dearly and want to honor you.
0: I willingly, he said, give up nations in exchange for you, a man to
1: save your life. Come on, somebody. And I started to think about Egypt and the very verse that Laura was talking about earlier today.
0: And if you're familiar with the story, Moses and the Israelites come out of Egypt And the Hebrews, and they come out of Egypt, and they run up to the Red Sea. And Moses panics, and he prays out to God, and he asks God, Lord, Lord. He tells the people, actually, stand still and see the deliverance of the Lord. And the Lord said, Moses, why are you crying out to me? Why are you crying out to me? He said, what is in your hand? What is in your hand? And Moses had the staff.
1: He said, hold,
0: stretch out your hand. Stretch out the thing that I have given you, the thing that I've promised you, the word that I've spoken to you. Stretch out your hand and watch me make a way where there is no way. Paul talks about taking the prophecies and making war with them, the things that the Lord has spoken over us and there's seasons in our life when the enemy tries to come in and tries to make us afraid that it's not going to be the way that God said it was going to be because he's taking us away that we don't understand. But it will always be the way that God said it will be if we stretch out our hand and hold forth back to him and remind him of the words that he has spoken and say, you said, you said, you said, you said. Because he's Yahweh. He's a covenant-keeping God. He's a mighty God. He's able. He's willing. And in that story, going back to that story, they come up. Moses stretches out his hand with what the Lord had given him. And Abba opens up the Red Sea and and actually dries the bottom of the bed of the Red Sea so they can walk across on dry land. Come on. Come on. He didn't just make a way. He made a way that wasn't difficult. He made a way that was beautiful and glorious. He made a way that blew their minds and, and struck fear in the hearts of those that were pursuing them. Struck fear in the hearts of their enemies. And if you're familiar with the story, it goes on and it says that the Red Sea opened up and the Pharaoh was so blinded by his rage, he pursued the Israelites into the Red Sea, which miraculously was standing up on the right and the left around him. Now, you've got to be pretty blinded by bitterness to pursue a people into a supernatural exit strategy provided specifically only for them by the Lord. That takes a lot of presumption, a lot of pride, a lot of blinding bitterness to do that.
1: And he pursues them in, and as soon as the Israelites are out, it says that the water folded back over. And I love
0: this because God is so merciful. Did you know it also says in the scriptures in the NIV version?
1: And they cried out as the water came over them, God is the Lord. They confessed him as Lord. God is Lord. So merciful. God is so merciful. I grieve sometimes because
0: when you study the word of God which reveals the Son of God and the ways of God... It can be very painful to watch individuals that you love take hits they don't have to take because you know how good God
1: is and how willing he is to love them well. There are times and there are seasons when individuals, well-meaning or not,
0: get to the place where they're so blinded by their bitterness. That in their blindness, they pursue God's people into a place that was not their place of provision. It was not a place where they were meant to be. It was not a place where they were meant to stand. It was not a place where they were meant to cross. And in their pride and their arrogance and their bitterness, they run in after. And in God's
1: mercy, he allows them to confess that he is Lord. But he says, I said no. I said no.
0: And I don't know if you've ever been in that place with the Lord. No, it means no with the Lord. And we are wise as children to learn that daddy's spankings are no joke. And the older you get, the more severe they become. And it's better to be willing and obedient because he's always good. He's always loving. He's always
1: kind. And he always has your best interest in mind. Amen. So he goes on talking about how he willingly gives up these nations like he gave up those Egyptians in exchange for their lives. To save your life, he said. In verse 5,
0: he says, I am with you now, even close to you. So never yield to fear. Never yield to fear. Fear is a false prophet trying to convince you, a person, an individual, a man or a woman made in the image of God to actually decree the thing that that spirit wants to happen that is not God's will for you. The spirit doesn't even have the power to bring it to pass, so it has to deceive you and convince you to say the thing so that it has the power because you're the one that's made in the image of God. And it's only when that spirit gets your agreement with fear and you say it out of your mouth does it even have any weight or authority to shift or move anything. Mm -mm -mm. He says, I am with you now. I'm with you now. I am with you now. I'm with you tomorrow. I'm with you yesterday. I'm with you forever. I am. I am always with you. I am with you when you hurt. I am with you when you're scared. I'm with you when you're sad. I'm with you when you don't know. It does not matter what is in front of you because I am always with you and I am the solution. I am the answer. I am the way. I am
1: the truth. I am your very life. So he goes on to say, I will bring your children from the east and from the west. I will gather you. I will say to the north, hand them over into the south. Don't hold them back. Bring my sons from far away and my daughters from the ends of the earth.
0: Bring me everyone who is called by my name. The ones I created to experience my glory. What's the purpose of all of these trials? What's the purpose of all of these difficulties? What's the purpose of being called to places and not necessarily having the whole picture and having to go from faith to faith and glory to glory? The purpose is glory. We behold him with an unveiled face so that, right, we can go from faith to
1: faith. Faith is the evidence of things hoped for. Right? Or unseen, really.
0: Right? We don't, that means we don't see it. So we go from faith to faith. Thing we don't see to thing we don't see. And glory to glory. The purpose of going to and through these things that we don't see and standing in, on the sole reality of the word of God and who he is and all of his goodness and grace is so that he can get the glory. It says there's a great cloud of witnesses that watches us. It says a third
1: of the angels were thrown down. Jesus Christ is the great mystery that was revealed. We are literally
0: made in the image of God. We have the privilege of being seated in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus. I tell you the truth, if Satan knew what Jesus was accomplishing when he murdered him on the cross, he never would have done it because all he did was multiply the prototype. And that's you and that's me. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. We were created for his glory. We were actually made for these situations. This is what you were made for. This moment in time, this thing that you're facing, this difficulty that you're in right now, you were made for this. You were made for this. And you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. You are more than equal to whatever stands before you. Because greater is he that is in you than he who is
1: in the world. Come on. Mm -mm -mm -mm. You are my witnesses, he says. I made you for my glory. We're going to read on just a little bit longer here.
0: Lead out those, verse 8, God's witnesses, okay? Lead out those who have eyes but are blind, those who have ears but are deaf. Let all the nations gather together and the people assemble. Does that sound like something we could say right now in the nations of the world? Yes. Lead them out, Lord, in Jesus' name. Those who have eyes but are blind, those who have ears but are deaf, let all the nations gather together, let it be so, and the people assemble. Which of their gods prophesied this? Which of them foretold what is about to happen? Let them bring their witnesses to make their case. Let them stand. Let them stand and testify if it is true. Yahweh, the covenant keeper, says to you and me, you are my witnesses. You are my chosen servants. I chose you in order that you would know me intimately. Mm -mm Mm-mm-mm. It takes an intimate knowledge of Father God and God as Father and Jesus as Son and Holy Spirit as the one that dwells
1: in us to be able to stand in the midst of a test and say, I will not move. I will not shift my decree. I will not stop praying.
0: I will not stop loving. I will not stop forgiving. I will not stop laying down my life. I will not stop serving. I will not stop being generous. I will live like my Father. I will love like my Father. And I will lead like my Father because he gave me everything and he's worth it. And he doesn't change. And I know that I know that I know he is who he says he
1: is. And therefore I will stand. Having done all to stand, I will stand. Amen. I chose you, he says, in order that you would know me intimately. And I just feel like that's
0: a word for us, for those listening. He says, believe me always. Believe me always. And we can only believe him always when we intimately know him, when he's spoken something to our hearts. When that rhema word comes and daddy reveals who he is to you, and you get a revelation of his love for you as a son, as a daughter, no one can take that from you. It does not matter what storm is raging around you. It does not matter what mountain is in front of you. It does not matter what river is raging that you have to cross. It does not matter the fiery flames that come. You know that you know that you know you are his, and he loves you, and no one can take that from you.
1: No one can take it from you. Believe me always and fully understand that I am the only God. We go through seasons
0: and stages and eras and moments in life where we think we've surrendered everything and we think we've given him his all only to realize, whoa, I didn't realize this thing was an idol in my life until I came to this precipice and had to look down upon the reality that now that it's gone, I am wrecked. I am shaking. I am confused. I am concerned. I am scared. I am sad.
1: I'm feeling... Lost, Because when he is the only God, when he is king of my life, when he is king of my heart, those things don't shake me anymore. He goes on to say, there was no God before me. Come on, somebody.
0: And there will be no God after me. Amen. I only I am Yahweh. In other words, I am the only one that is a covenant keeper. I'm the only one that's always going to be there for you. I'm the only one who laid down my
1: life so that you could have everything I am. This is how much I love you. In verse 11, he goes on to say, I only I am Yahweh, the covenant keeper, and there is no Savior God but me. Come on, that's right, yes, yes. Oh, Brent, would you grab that for me, darling? There is no other God but me. And there's this idea of Yahweh, the covenant God.
0: What does that mean? We, d- we don't know what covenant means anymore. Breaking covenant back in the day was a matter of life and death. That was no joke. People th- you get
1: stoned. God's word is literally his bond. If he said it, he is going to hasten to perform it.
0: He does not change like the shifting of winds. He does not change his mind like fickle men or women. Your friend one day, you're not the next day. He is always the same, yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't leave when things
1: get hard, he doesn't leave when things get messy. He doesn't leave when things get loud. He
0: doesn't leave when things get silent. He doesn't leave when people get poor. He doesn't leave when people,
1: whatever that is, okay? He says, I am the only one who revealed this to you.
0: You did not come to me, in other words. You did not save yourself. It was not your knowledge that brought you to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I am the only one that revealed this to you. Set that pride down. Put it down on the shelf. I saved you, he says. I foretold the future and I brought it to pass. It was not some foreign God who did this. It was not some other God. You are my witnesses that I am God, declares Yahweh. From the very beginning, he says, I am the only God. No one can be snatched from my hand. Jesus, this lit me up this morning. No one can be snatched from my hand. I was like, Daddy, I needed to hear that today. We look at the world and at the nations and the bitterness that's raging and The lasciviousness and the abortion and the murdering of the babies and the riots and the destruction of things around us and the rage and the anger and the hurt, the genuine hurt and pain, and it can feel overwhelming at times. It can feel like, Lord, are they? Can can we? Can you save them too? You saved me. Can you save them too? And for those that love Him and know His ways, it can be very painful to see those things. You want so bad to reach out and help. You want so bad to reach out and heal. You want so bad to reach out and touch somebody in a godly way and sometimes in a not so godly way, right? That's how we get purified,
1: (laughs) right? But you want to reach out and do something. He says, I saved you. I foretold the
0: future and brought it to pass. It was not some foreign God that did this. You are my witnesses that I am God, declares you. From the beginning, I am the only God, and no one can be snatched from my hand. And I have really good Christian friends right now that are hurting, some serious kind of hurting and hurting a lot of other people.
1: And I've been grappling with it all, really, all year long. How do I help them? How do I help them?
0: Please don't let them fall into the pit of despair. Please do not let them reap the fruit of their bitterness. Please do not let them reap the fruit of their hatred,
1: their rage. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do.
0: And then I came to this verse, no one can be snatched from a hand. It was like in a moment the Lord reminded me how messed up I was when he found me. How hurt I was, how bitter I was, how angry I was, how deceived I was. I was like that Jacob. I thought I knew what was right. I thought I knew what justice was. I thought I knew what love looked like. I thought I knew what loyalty was. I thought I knew what
1: healthy relationships look like. I thought I knew. I was just Jacob. I was doing the best I knew how to do.
0: You remember when Jesus said to the Pharisees, now that you say you know, right? I was thinking of that just now, and it's like, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. If they knew, they would not be doing it. We're only accountable for what we know. So our responsibility, those of us that see, those of us that are mourning with the Lord, those of us that are praying, aside from just praying, is to love. Is to forgive over and over and over and over again. It's to bless. It's to lay proper boundaries so we're not taking unnecessary beatings. Come on, somebody. Right? That doesn't mean you need to be a punching bag. What's that speed bag, right, where they do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do? You don't need to be anybody's speed bag. You can put up some boundaries, some healthy boundaries, okay? That's Okay. But our job is to love and to know that they cannot be snatched from God's hand. And God is doing a beautiful work. And that every single one of our brothers and sisters who's hurting right now and in transition or in the process of transformation, metamorphosis in the Greek, they are in process. And it is glorious. And God is in
1: it. He is in it. He says, when it goes on in verse 13, when I choose to act,
0: And I read that today, and it was almost like Father God was saying, oh, I have an appointed time. There's a work that I'm doing that you cannot see because it's private between them and I. But when I choose to act, who can reverse it? And I remember a moment when I was older, and I was reading through this love letter from God, and... Father God was solidifying his identity as Father in my life and who he was. And it was so powerful, so potent, so real, followed by multiple
1: visions of Jesus. No one can ever, 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 ever take that away from me. I know who I am. I know whose I am. And I know what I saw and what I
0: experienced that day. I heard the audible voice of God. When God chose to act on my life, I was forever changed. And God is about to move sovereignly. We are in a season and in an era where I believe God is going to move sovereignly so that he can have this last harvest. We're seeing a clash of kingdoms, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of light, and the kingdom of darkness And there are individuals right now in the kingdom of darkness that some in the church have written off. And Father God is saying, do not write them off. Because when I choose to act, who can reverse it? Who can reverse it? Many of them are called to be mine. And we have to be so careful in this hour not to be like the Sadducees and the Pharisees that point fingers and say, I see, I see, I see, I see, I see. I don't care what you see. Because when God chooses to act, who can reverse it? He is good and he is willing and he is able in the same mercy that he showed me, in the same mercy that he showed you,
1: he wants to show them. And he asked Abraham. Abraham prayed. Do you remember Sodom and Gomorrah? If there are ten. Right? Sometimes we give up too soon. What if he would
0: prayed if there's one? The Lord said Lot was righteous. What if he prayed, Lord, if there's just one, if there's just one, if there's just one spare? But sometime in our persevering, in our going through those raging storms, in our experiencing the fires, we want to stop short because it's painful. The Scripture tells us in the New Testament, we're
1: actually called to take up the remaining sufferings of Christ Jesus. Paul talks about that. We we love the supernatural. We love the healings. We love the miracles. We love the seer, the fun gifts,
0: and they are awesome, and I love them. But we are called to bear one another's burdens, to carry each other's griefs, to pick up the load sometimes.
1: And sometimes in our effort to escape the pain, we just wash our hands of it and say, well, not my responsibility. And like Cain, ultimately we're responsible, right? You remember the story of Ezekiel?
0: Basically, God told Ezekiel that if he didn't pray, the blood was going to be on his hands. If he didn't say something to that individual, if he didn't speak the truth in love, if he didn't prophesy what God told him to prophesy, that the blood was on his hands. Now, we know God forgives all things, so... Don't let any guilt or condemnation sit on you if you've done that because we've all done it. But in this hour, it's more important than ever. It's more important than ever. Say what he says to say. Do what he says to do. And make sure you're doing it with a motive of love. Pray what he tells you to pray. Love who he tells you to love. Forgive who he tells you to forgive. And stay in it until the end. God is inexhaustible love. He is perfect love. Which means... He has an inexhaustible supply that we can pull
1: on to stay in a thing, to wait, to persevere patiently like the church in Philadelphia.
0: Goes on in verse 14, he says, This is what Yahweh, your Kingsman Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, says. Come on. For your good I send the Babylonians. I will bring them all as fugitives and turn the shouting of the Chaldeans into mourning. I am Yahweh, your Holy One, your King, the Creator of Israel. What? Jesus brought the Babylonians? If you know anything about that story, that's when the Babylonians were the ones that came against Judah. That was the northern tribe. That was the on-fire tribe. That was the anointed tribe. That was the one that stayed faithful.
1: But the Lord sent the Babylonians. And then he tells us why. For your good. For your good. There are some trials and some tests
0: and some shifts and some transitions that come for our good. It can, and oftentimes
1: if it's for our good, it's the very thing that ends up saving us from ourselves. It's his saving grace. Every opposition is an opportunity
0: to pass the litmus test of love, to press into more of his presence, to participate in more of his divine nature. It goes on in verse 16, he says, Yahweh is the one who makes a way in the sea. Come on, somebody. Mm-mm-mm. He destroyed their chariots and their horses and their mighty warriors. They fell, never to rise again. Gone forever, snuffed out like a wick. This is what he says. And this is interesting. So he tells this story that we just talked about, about the Egyptians being snuffed out in the Red Sea. Snuffed out like a wick. This is what he says. And then he goes on in verse 8 to say this. Stop dwelling on the past. Don't even remember these former things. In other words, don't keep watching what I did before. I'm not going to deliver you the same way I delivered you before. Don't even remember these former things. I am doing something brand new, something unheard of. Even now, it sprouts and grows and matures. Do you perceive it? Mm-mm-mm-mm. Come on. That gets me excited. That gets me excited. Do you perceive it? Do you perceive it? Lord, if you're asking, I don't. So I'm asking for grace to perceive it in Jesus' name. He says, I will make a way in the wilderness. It doesn't matter if it is dry, dying death around you. The Lord will make a way in the wilderness. And he'll open up flowing streams in the desert. Wild beasts, jackals, and owls will glorify me. He'll say these ones that look like wild beasts, these ones that are talking like jackals, laughing and
1: cackling. These owls, they will glorify me.
0: For I supply streams of water in the desert and rivers in the wilderness to satisfy the thirst of my people, my chosen ones. I love one of my favorite psalms in the Bible. It's the longest psalm ever. Psalm 119, but I love Psalm 119. It talks about the Word of God, the entire thing is about the Word of God. And I'm just going to read you a small portion
1: here, verses, um, I guess it's 89 through 91. This is the Passion Translation. And it says, standing firm in the heavens and fastened to eternity is the Word of God. Your
0: faithfulness flows from one generation to the next. All that you created sits
1: firmly in place to testify of you. Come on. So good. By your decree, everything stands at attention. For all that you have made
0: serves you. I shared this with one of my directors when I was working in a large church in the region, and the individual goes, that's not true. I said, yes, they do. All things serve God. He said, that is not true. I said, yes, it is. The Scripture says all things serve God. So them cackling jackals, them hyenas, them owls, them beasts, they serve God. They serve a purpose. They help us become the weapons fit for our work. They help determine whether or not we are where we're at on the litmus test of love. What we're willing to lay our lives down for, when we're willing to take up our lives, how well we hear Holy Spirit. They help to form us and to make us. God says, I made the blacksmith that fans the coals into flame, makes you a weapon weapon, forges, it says. Forges a weapon fit for its work. If you're familiar with the forging process and the word from Dutch Sheets where he talked about forging, you heat that metal up, take it out, and you hammer that sucker. And you hammer it over and over and over, and you stick it back in the fire. And you hammer it again. You pull it out, and you hammer it again, and you hammer it again until it starts to sort of look like what you want it to look like. And then you grind it on this wheel. Grind, 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 grind. None of us want to be grinded. But it's so good for us because we're being formed into a weapon that's fit for its work. And you're on that wheel sometimes, and that wheel's grinding away, and you're like, Lord, is it done yet? Are you done yet? Please, for the love of God, Father, I can't take anymore. And there are times where the metal, if he doesn't pull it away from the wheel, it'll overheat because the metal will chip and it'll flick off. So God knows the perfect timing. If you're on the wheel, you need to be there. And it's going to be okay, darling. You can trust him. He is good. He is still Yahweh. He is still covenant-keeping God. And if he's got you on the wheel, you're right where you need to be. Stay. Let him grind it out. He'll pull you off when it's time. In the forging process, it's very interesting. Once the sword or the weapon looks the way it's supposed to look, it's shaped, the way it's supposed to sh- be shaped and whatnot,
1: they stick it back in there one more time to heat it up to kind of solidify it back in the fire, okay? And it makes it hard, unbreakable. And when they take it out that last time and they're done,
0: they stick it in oil and pull it back out. That thing's, it's on fire basically. And it's beautiful. It it settles that metal right down. It makes it real slick and smooth
1: sort of like cures it, seals it, if you will. And you got to know that when
0: daddy's got you in the forging process, you are right where you're supposed to be, but you have to go through the process. Some people try to avoid the forging process, and they end up being broken weapons that are set aside and cannot be used for him because they didn't go through the process to be forged into the weapon fit for its work. And all that's going to happen is you can sit on the bench and be reforged again,
1: or you can endure the process until the end. And then you get that glorious plunge into that oil, and you come out ready for war. Come on. He's so good, he's so good, he's so good. He said, for I supply streams, verse 20
0: of water in the desert and rivers in the wilderness to satisfy the thirst of my people, my chosen ones. Even when you're on that wheel, he satisfies
1: your thirst. He talks you through the burn. So that you whom I have shaped and I have formed for myself will
0: proclaim my praise. You come out that oil, You are hooping and hallelujahing and hollering and dancing, and you don't care how undignified you look because you're just glad to be out. And you actually understand he's trustworthy in that moment, that he knew exactly how long to leave you on, to take you out, how many times that hammer needed to hit, where it needed to hit, what it needed to do, and you are the only one that understands what it accomplished in you.
1: And then you have a testimony, and you proclaim his praise. And you begin to multiply as you
0: share. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And that's how disciples are made. He goes on in verse 22 and says, yet you did not call out to me, O Jacob. Okay, so he's referring to when you first created, prior to, when you're in that deceptive place, place of deception. Are you so weary of me, O Israel? Now he's talking to Israel, the covenant name. And we get weary sometimes when we're on that grindstone or when we're going through the forging process sometimes. Well, come on, it's all
1: right. It's okay. He says many are called and few are chosen for a reason. It's not because God isn't
0: able to do the work in them. It's not because God isn't willing. It's not because God isn't enough. It's because most aren't willing to stay in the process or they're not willing to obey and trust whatever he tells them to do and go and do what he says to do. And so they miss it, and we end up going around the mountain over and over and over again, right? So you repeat the same part of the forging process over
1: and over and over again until you get that peace, and that is no fun for anybody. He goes on, and he's talking to Israel
0: here. He says, you've not brought me your sheep for burnt offerings, or honor me with your sacrifices. I have not burdened you by requiring many grain offerings, or wearied you with demands for frankincense. You did not buy me fragrant calamus reeds or lavish me with the fat of your sacrifices. Instead, you have burned me with your many sins and wearied me with your evil deeds. But he says, I, ah, yes, I am the only, the
1: one and only, who completely erases your sins, never to be seen again. Come on. I will not
0: remember them again. Freely I do this because this is who I am. He says, this is who I am. Why? Why would you do that for me, Lord? How can you love me like that? He says, because this is who I am. And when we're in the forging process and when we're going through and the storms are raging, when we're facing our biggest mountains, that's what we remember. This is who he is. He erases our sins completely. He always forgives us. He's not pointing them out. He's a good father. He laid down his life for you. He
1: laid down his life for me. And he's calling us to do the same for others. He says, (laughs) kind of mocking them a bit here, help me. Help me remember the past. Let's debate
0: on how bad you were, how much you've messed up. Bring me your version to prove your innocence. He says, your earliest ancestor sinned, and your spokesman rebelled against me, so I brought disgrace on the holy priests of the holy sanctuary. And
1: I brought destruction to Jacob, and humiliation and scorn to Israel. Mm -mm -mm. I thought, Lord, surely we can't end there today. And he brought me back to the part where he says, I am doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it?
0: Even in those moments when the Babylonians, proverbial Babylonians, come against your life and the Lord takes you out to a place where you're like, this is not where I belong.
1: Right? The Babylonians came and they took Judah captive, took him out to Babylon. Even then, God is still good.
0: God is still moving, and God has done this for your good, and you can trust him. So I want to share with you a little bit more of Psalm 118. It's so ministered to my heart in light of everything going on in the nation and the nations of the world. It says, by your decree everything stands at attention, and this is 91. Psalm
1: 112, 91. I'm sorry, 119.91. For all that you have made serves you. Because your deepest words are my delight, I did
0: not give up when all else was lost. I can never forget the profound revelations you have taught me, for they have kept me alive more than once. Come on. Lord, I am all yours, and you are my Savior. David gets to a place in his life where he's no longer looking to other people and he realizes God and God alone is going to make this happen. And I am so thankful for my friends and I am so thankful for my family and I am so thankful for the prophets and for the priests. But I am leaning on the Lord. He says, I have sought to live my life to please you. Even though evil men wait in ambush to kill me, I will set my heart before you to understand more of your ways. What is it you're trying to teach me? What is it you're trying to work in me? If there is any wicked way in me, Lord God, reveal it, because I want you more than I want my way. I've learned that there's nothing perfect in this imperfect world except your words,
1: for they bring such fantastic freedom into my life. I love the word of God
0: goes on in verse 97 and says, Oh, how I love the treasure of the revelation of your word. Throughout the day I fill my heart with its light. Because by considering your commands, I have an edge over my enemies. Come on. For I take seriously everything you say. You have given me more understanding than those who teach me and I absorb. Your eye-opening revelation, you've graced me with more insight than the old sages because I have not failed to walk in the light of your ways. It's about obedience. You want to know how you get from point A to point Z? You obey the last thing he told you to do. And if you don't obey, you're going to end up going around in a circle. Come on. I've been there. I'm just trying to give you a piece of information that will save you a couple treks around the mountain and you can just go straight up. Amen. Yeah, I love this. David goes on and he says, I refused to bend my morals when temptation was before me so that
1: I could become obedient to your word. In other words, I did the hard thing when it was hard. Because he valued. He valued the Lord. He valued the revelation. He valued the glory. I refused
0: to turn away from difficult truths. So sometimes we're tempted to turn away because there's temptation. Sometimes we're tempted to turn away because it's a difficult truth that we don't want to admit to ourselves. I refuse to turn away from difficult truths, for you yourself have taught me to love your words. We've got to love the word when it's easy and when it feels good and when it makes us feel all ooh, ooh, ooh inside. And we've got to love the word
1: when it's hard and when it cuts deep and when it hits He goes on to say in verse 103
0: How sweet are your living promises to me? Sweeter than honey is your revelation light. For your truth is the source of my understanding. Come on. Not falsehoods of those who don't know you, which I despise. Truth's shining light guides me in my choices and decisions. This word should guide our choices and our decisions. This word should guide the way that we live our life.
1: When it does, It is life to us. It makes our pathways clear, verse 105
0: says. To live my life by your righteous rules has been my holy and lifelong commitment. And David gets vulnerable here and he says, I am bruised and I am broken. I am overwhelmed by it all. Breathe life into me again by your living word. And there's those moments When we've been in the press, we've been in the forge, and we're feeling bruised and broken, and then the hammer's coming, and it's coming and coming. That's not a bad place to be. It's a beautiful, it's a glorious place to be because you're actually being formed. Christ in you is literally being formed, literally being formed. You're metamorphosing. You're being transformed in those moments in those places where you feel broken and bruised, as you cry out to him and say, teach me, show me, lead me, guide me. David goes on in 106
1: and says, Lord, receive my grateful thanks. And it's hard to thank him sometimes in the midst of that. But who, if
0: you can hold on to being thankful, it will get you through anything. It will get you through anything. What can I be thankful for? What can I thank you for? I thank you that I have food. I thank you that I have a home. I thank you that I have two beautiful children. I thank you that I have this beautiful ministry. What can I thank you for? I thank you for your favor. I thank you for my health. I thank you that I have clothes on my back. I thank you that I get to take a bath. I thank you that I've lost this weight. I thank you that I've gained this weight. Whatever that is for you. I thank you that I don't smoke anymore. I thank you that I don't swear anymore. I don't know what that is for you. I thank you that I don't drink anymore. I thank you that I don't drug anymore. I don't know what that is for you. What are you thankful for? I thank you for my mom. I thank you for my dad. I thank you for the sun just shining today. Oh, I thank you for the breeze on my face that just feels so good today. There's always something we can thank Him for. Always something we can thank Him for. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your son. I thank you for your
1: spirit. I thank you for the breath in my lungs. I thank you for being born. I thank you that I'm not starving. I thank you that I'm not homeless. I thank you that I have a vehicle to drive. I thank you that I have legs to walk on. Lord, receive my grateful thanks and teach me more of how to
0: please you. In light of everything that Jesus has done for you, in light of everything that Jesus has done for me, the greatest privilege we have is to bring
1: him joy, to please him. Not man, him. But he has to teach us how to do that. We have ideas in our own mind
0: in our own soulish realm, in this first earthly realm, in a sense, right, in this first heaven, that that look good, that seem good, that seem like something that might be pleasing to him. But if we ask him, have you ever had someone do that for you? It's one thing for someone to just bless you, give you something that they think means something to you, but it's another thing for someone to ask you, how would you like me to
1: bless you, and then actually do it, right? My husband was so good at this, he'd uh, he always rub my shoulders
0: because I hold all my tension in my neck and in my shoulders. And he'd say, how would you like me to bless you? Honestly, I'd like you to rub my neck. And sometimes he'd exhale, <sighs> okay. But he would do it, right? That's, that's what love feels like. When, when someone cares enough about you to ask what it is that's going to make bring you joy. Something that you actually want, and then gives you that thing. And that's what David's saying here. Teach me how, teach me more of how to please you, Lord. Ask him right now, Lord, how can I please you?
1: How can I please you? Not myself, not how I think I can please you, but how can I actually please you? What do you want me to do?
0: And David went on and he said, Even though my life hangs in the balance, I'll keep following what you've taught me. No matter what the ungodly have done, their best to throw me off track, but I will not deviate from what you've told me to do. Everything you speak to me is like a joyous treasure, filling my life with gladness. I have determined my heart to obey whatever you say fully and forever. And we get to that place in the Lord where we finally... It it, it has an appearance of stubbornness, but it's not. It is a resoluteness. I get a lot of prophecies about, Stephanie, you have a titanium spinal cord, right? Like, you just know how to stand or whatever. I'm like, actually, what you're seeing is
1: that I've determined in my heart to obey whatever God says. Fully and forever, regardless of the cost to me.
0: No matter what the cost is. That's what you see. It's not stubbornness. It's not presumption. It's a revelation of the reality that God is who he says he is, that God is good, and no matter what he tells me to do, it is a good thing
1: for me. And it will bring glory to his name, and he is worthy of all the glory and all the praise. It's a
0: revelation of the reality that everything he speaks to us is a joyous treasure and it does bring joy. And that's a reality of the revelation that the kingdom of God is actually righteousness, which is given to us as a gift that brings us into the place of peace or shalom and wholeness and results in joy, unspeakable and full of glory. A lot of people say to me lately, I, I don't know how you can be so strong. I don't know how you can be so happy. Joy unspeakable, full of glory. When God says, I have determined in my heart to obey whatever he says, I always have joy unspeakable, full of glory, because I have a good and an expected end. And so do you. No matter what he asks you to do, no matter where he asks you to go, if you will determine in your heart to obey whatever he says fully and forever, you will have a
1: good and an expected end. Mm -mm -mm. So, so good. So, so good today. It was so, so good. I'm going to skip down because I want to get to the peace he wants me to get to. David goes on back and forth, talking about the sufferings
0: and how God helps him, how he loves God's instruction, asking the Lord to fill him afresh with his breath again, and we can do that any time, and he does. He talks about how the powerful and the elite have persecuted him, these ones with great influence. And then in those moments, as he saw the face of the Lord, he discovered treasure. He discovered more of who
1: God was, and it ended up being a glorious experience, as painful as it was. He talks about how in his
0: innermost being, he wants to obey God perfectly, and that's a really good thing. But he realizes the reality that he can't, and it's okay, because God is good, and he knows he's loved anyway. That his righteousness is actually a gift. It's not something he's striving to attain. And he says in verse 168, I will keep your instructions and follow your counsel. All of my ways are an open book before you. In other words, I'm not hiding nothing from you. You know me anyway. I'm not going to pretend like I have it all together. Here's my hot mess, the pain, the struggle, what I really want to do, what I really think. And I need your counsel. I need your wisdom. I need your word. I need your revelation. I need more of you so that I may please you. It's in those moments that we're most honest with God about where we're really at, that we can call on him to give us more of
1: himself so that we can please him more, just like David prayed. He says, Lord, he closes out of Psalm
0: 119 with these words, Lord, listen to my prayer. And this is our activation today, so just pray this between you and the Lord if you want to receive it. It is
1: like a sacrifice that I bring to you. I must have more revelation of your word.
0: Take my words to heart when I ask you, Lord. Rescue me just like you promised. I offer you my joyous praise for all that you have already taught me. Your wonderful words will become my song of worship. For everything you've commanded is perfect and true. Now place your hands of strength and favor upon me
1: for I have made my choice to follow your ways. I wait for your deliverance, O Lord, for your words thrill me like
0: nothing else. Invigorate my life so I can praise you even more.
1: And may your truth be my strength. I'll never forget what you've taught me, Lord. But when I wander off and I lose my way, come after me. And I hear, come after me, Abba, for I am your beloved. So receive that yourself, just between you and the Lord,
0: Father God. We rest in the reality that we are your beloved and that you are good. We rest in the reality that when we stray, when we fall away, when we make mistakes, you are faithful and you are just and your work is finished on our behalf and you come and get us. We give you permission to come after us, to come after our loved ones, to come after
1: those in the world who are raging and angry and bitter and hurting, Father. for we are your beloved. And it is in the matchless and the awesome and in the mighty
0: name of Jesus Christ we pray. We believe and therefore we have spoken. Let it be as we have spoken
1: it to the glory of you, God, our Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power of Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening today. Take a moment and ask Holy Spirit what he wants you to
0: do with what you've learned. And remember, With God, all things are possible. So keep dreaming, keep praying, and simply obey. Because God is good, and He has good plans for you.
1: You can subscribe to our blogs, learn about our speakers, and even hear from one of our team members how you can take part in transforming a city, your city with Christ. There's no time like the present. Visit ShekinahOnline.com. If this doesn't excite you, watch for our new and God-inspired product line, a newly released book by Stephanie Butler, and more testimonies from our listeners like you, working to bring unity in cities across the world. If you feel led to support our podcast, you may do so on our Shekinah.com website. Or if you would like to support us monthly, there is a link labeled, Listener Support on Every Podcast. Until next time, we thank you, we love you, have a blessed day.